The following program contains mature themes that may offend you and challenge you. As a result, you may paint an innumerable amount of Bristol boards, piss, and exhale fire, call for the host to be disemboweled in the village square, push for suppression, compelled speech, and an infinite number of deplatformings. Other listeners may experience the urge to laugh as we all hurl towards Armageddon, tolerate diversity of thought, control their childlike emotional impulses, stop taking everyone and everything so seriously. But either way, listener discretion is advised. This is Unmentionable, an unhealthy dose of realism with your host, Jordan Power. Welcome to Unmentionable Podcast. I'm Jordan Power. If you'd like bonus content, patreon.com slash unmentionable podcast. If you'd like to access the archives of this show, if you are a Spotify user, you'll see there's almost 100 episodes about... A third of those are officially locked. You will see a lock button beside them. You hit that, and it's going to email you instructions to sign up as a premium member, monthly subscription, and all those will unlock. If you're an Apple user, you'll see all the episodes that are listed there, but you'll notice the numbers are off. And so if you want to access, again, that same uh, archive of episodes, go to the top. There's a button that you can hit to activate your Apple Pay and subscribe, become a monthly user and as always all bonus content will be on patreon as well as a video of this show will be on patreon every single week um and sporadically we will place them on spotify and some clips on youtube if you are also sorry for all the housekeeping i promise it'll be good (laughs) um if you are on youtube most people are that have a gmail account please subscribe to the clips channel of the show we've grown it from zero to almost 800 now and as well as the main unmentionable podcast, subscribe to that. We're going to start posting a little more content there. It's pretty good. It's at about 5,500 subscribers on there as well. So it's definitely growing. And the the things that we're doing, uh, releasing clips out to a day, are starting to make some impact, which is great. And it's just going to exponentially grow from there. Um, I just got back from New York City, which uh, made me decide that I could never live in New York City. And New York City, listen, if you're 25 years old and you're living your dream, blah, 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 whatever, 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 that's great. That's great for you. But for me, I was like, oh, I'm 36 because I went for my 36th birthday. Right. And I was like, there's two things that happen to you when you get older and my one of them is so fucking funny my Back friend pain. we did them both in the same besides yeah besides the <laughs> loss of hope and dreams um you know a couple stis yeah um is you walk into a nightclub and you're always just like i said to my friend i'm like it's so loud in oh, here shit. right like yeah, dad yeah, like yeah, dad's yeah, in the yeah, club yeah. like i'm like why is it so loud in here it was so funny and i was like oh i'm getting old now <laughs> Like, there's just certain things I just don't... Uh, this is what I think when getting older. There's certain things yeah. that I don't want to do. Like, unless it's unironically. Like, my friend invited me to this party in Toronto. This is, again, why well, you have to go to New York for the nightlife, because it's not great here. Um, <laughs> she was like, it's under the Gardner Expressway. Yeah. And there was, like, a DJ and food booth. Oh, like, the rave party uh, under the bridge? My God. Okay, yeah. I, for people that are new to Toronto, a few years ago... The Gardner, which is the main highway into the city, started crumbling from underneath, right? So, like, people are just walking or driving, and, like, pieces of it are just crumbling. So, instead of them rebuilding the whole thing, they rebuilt a little part of it. And then this other part where the pieces were falling, they basically built, like, nets. So, like, some of it they repaired, but sometimes when you walk into the Gardner, there's, like, these nets that are, like, 
you know, catch the concrete so that it doesn't give <laughs> mom a concussion on the way to the Jays game, right? This is, I mean, Fuck. what paradise we live in here, I'll tell you. So my friend sends me an invite, and it's like I'm getting to this point now where it's like, I mean, she's scrambling for something fun to do in the city. Yeah. She sends it to me, and I'm like, I feel like you don't understand me. Like, you, say, I'm not going to go <laughs> party under, like, crumbling infrastructure. <laughs> Like, like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, I'm not 21 on like a kokai. Like, I saw it crumbling along, like not long ago. Like, and it's like when people ask, the other one is when people ask me to go bowling. People are like, oh, you want to come bowling? I'm like, I don't go anywhere where I have to share shoes with someone. Like... I don't want to sound too elitist, but I'm a little above it. I'm a little above sharing shoes. Like, I'll go if I can bring my own shoes. But, like, you're putting on shoes that, what, a thousand people have have worn before? Disgusting. It's disgusting. What was the second thing that happened in New York? You said the one was get to me. Oh, the nightclub. Um, yeah. I said to my friend, well, oh, I also started complaining because it was not climate controlled. Oh, wow. Because, you know, the, then you get old. Daddy gets older, right? I, you know, I need certain things. I got a new mattress already. And, like, you know, I see, I need certain hotels, right? Like, <laughs> my friend. Okay. So, I love my friends. But, like, you know, they like to, like, cut corners a little more than I do. Yeah. You know? And I just am wired a certain way that some people think is funny. Like, and when I, when you guys listen to the show, like, rest assured, like, I am totally myself. Obviously, at times, I'm a little bit more exaggerated, and I'm a lot more chill in real life. But, like, for the most part, like, I just present to you who I am. And that's why I'm really touched when people love the show or support yeah. the Patreon. Because it's like, wow, you know all my flaws and shitty characteristics, and you still like me. But it's like, I walk in this hotel, and it's like, first, I, so first I'm complaining about the noise. Then I complain to my friend. I said, it's so hot in this nightclub. Like, like I need, like, a climate-controlled nightclub. Like... <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm at. Because when you get old, Dubai. when you get into your mid thirties, yeah. you were it's like clubs. Then you transition. Some of my friends are still holding on. You transition into like a nice cocktail lounge, yeah. even though I don't drink. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, you just transition. I just then I don't want the More boom, elegant. boom, 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 yeah, yeah. boom in my ear. I just yeah. don't. <laughs> I just don't like it. But I go to this hotel with my friends, and you know, I'm just like a total princess. I check in. I said, you know, I, I start getting all dramatic, like the Polly House. <laughs> I'm like, this is hell. The air conditioning, like the air conditioner, was a part of the wall. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> there's no towel warmer. There's no room service. There's no towel warmer. Wow. I don't do well. It's like sharing the shoes. I'm just wired yeah. a certain way. Like, if there's an apocalypse and the modern comforts go away, I just Gun to the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know? They're like, oh, yeah. we ran out of laser resurfacing machines for your skin. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not about to do that. That's what it takes, guys. That's what it takes. <laughs> October 4th, I have an oh. appointment with Jacqueline. We'll do it on the show. Woo-woo. Okay, so yeah, it was uh New York was um a blast. It wasn't a blast. Parts were fun, parts weren't. I just don't think I can live there. I just don't. Talk more about it on Patreon. Oh, good point. Uh, so that'll be on Patreon. Is that this week? Yes. Patreon.com slash unmentionable podcast where you will get full access to my whole life. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> full access to my whole life. <laughs> Just stories, guys. <laughs> Just stories. Less and less of the personal dating stuff. Oh. Okay. So coming up on the show, um, we thought we'd 
we didn't even deliberately do this, trying to, you know, change tone, but I uh, want to go a little more serious, dive into a little bit about psychedelics, um, DMT, um, different things like that. So we were connected with a guy who's a shaman. His name's Matt, uh, bright guy, uh, Matthew Haley, is that right? Yes, Matthew Haley. Yeah, so um, he came in here and we talked. We didn't know how long it was going to be. It ended up being about, about almost three hours. So we are going to put the first half this week, and next week on the show we're going to put the other half. It really dies all over the place, everything from you know capitalism, uh, housing, homelessness, addiction, despair, stuff like that. It just really jumped all over. But he's lived quite an interesting life and um, was a good addition to the show. He's got a few more stories. We might have him back on sometime soon. So let us know how you think about that uh, or what you thought about that. Unmentionablepodcast at gmail.com. That's it. That's all. Enjoy part one with Matthew. But yeah, I basically... um, Worst thing I ever had to do was actually look at someone and go, I know you've been waiting two months for your $200,000 vehicle that you paid cash for. Like cash. That's how much a Tesla is? 200 grand? At the top end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a brand new P90D, fastest production vehicle at the time. Like, they let me spend a weekend or two with these cars. No, if you got the money, it was a play toy. Worth it as a play toy if you could just burn the money. Not to mention the nice chargeable stuff, everything that goes along with it. They were fun. But, you know, I know you've had your car a week. Um, actually, we do have to do some repairs on it. You were right about the noise. And it's not exactly drivable. So we're going to have to wait for the parts that could be back ordered anywhere from a month to two months. And again, I know you just paid for this car two months ago. Just got it. Spent a week. Here's your Chevrolet Cobalt. Uh, oh my god so just like plus Tesla. well i mean tesla owners are annoying already so it's like they deserve <laughs> it <laughs> i actually got a little joy when i heard that story <laughs> i, I, I just don't like the car i mean like I, I, a lot of people like it i'm in it and i go you don't miss the busyness of the knobs and everything until you get in the car and it's just like an ipad and like a dash like i miss the the meatiness of mm-hmm. The car, like, I think that's, I don't know what that says about me, but I'm normally actually a pretty modern, clean person, Mm -hmm. but I get in that car and I feel like I'm being driven around in some automated, like, boring car, like a valet of some, I don't know what it is. It's, you want to put it on valet, you put it on the automatic drive mode. The first time I did that, I had a panic attack in the car. I went on the DVP. I already have a <laughs> panic attack. <laughs> DVP. Rush hour traffic, like 5 p.m., and turned on the auto drive. And I literally was like, like I was whining in the seat. I had tears. I was full anxiety. I had some weird emotional breakdown over letting go control to this vehicle while everything's moving around me. But isn't it ironic that the vehicle is probably a better driver than you? It is a better driver, driver yeah. than most drivers out there. I've been professionally trained. So well, it's I'll, like I'll go up against the car, but <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like we were talking about earlier. Is like the conditioning in society. Like I'm, you know, I tell people I do LSD, which mm-hmm. we're going to talk about today, among other things. And I tell people I do LSD. And by the way, I'm saying that w- I was that person at 23 when someone said I do acid. I was like, well, your life's really going off the rails. <laughs> And then, um, 
then I started doing it. It's the same thing like when my friend was doing MDMA, I'm like, oh, she's throwing, throwing her life away. And then I did it about 40 times, you know. But <laughs> but it's funny because as I started doing more LSD, my life started to improve. So then I think, you know, I, I cut alcohol, just, just the way I see the world more incisive. And uh, as that started happening, people kind of were like, hmm. And then obviously right now we're feeling this new wave with like you can go on YouTube and TED Talks and, you know, different people like Joe Rogan talking openly about it. Um, it's starting to lose the stigma. Yeah. And it is the conditioning because people say, oh, my God, LSD. It's like, oh, the drug that didn't kill anyone last year. Uh, meanwhile, you're drinking wine right now, like two to three hundred thousand people a year, let's say, die of that, if that. Um, that makes you bloated. That makes you ego driven. That is carcinogenic. But that's okay. And you realize like so many other things in your life, it's that conditioning. Like you learn certain things like, oh, I should be monogamous. And then you start having sex. And you're like, oh, this isn't really, this doesn't really feel natural. Mm -hmm. And we are just, I think a lot of people don't get out of that. They don't, they just, they go along. And a lot of people, I always say this, a lot of people are just in cruise control. They're not thinking ahead. Like I, I heard a story the other day about someone who can't afford their house and is ready to have a child. And I go, oh, you yeah. don't think ahead. You just exist, which is kind of nice, honestly, in a way. It is. And there's the lessons of just being. But in that being, you're also preparing and looking ahead and understanding what your being is about. And it's almost been chopped and conditioned, as you say, to hyper-separate past, present, future instead of understanding it's it's about integration, oneness, that it all is present within this moment. You can look to the future if you're really understanding the present moment, uh, essentially that law of attraction that we talk about. But the art of allowing is very, very rarely applied, which is seeing those steps through. You can only do those steps and see those steps through if you're actually looking towards the future. And people often don't realize that they're doing this because we are in a very conditioned yet bubble-wrapped society. So from that bubble wrapping, people don't have to be as cautious or now we have principles, it is what it is, which is a beautiful way to seal acceptance and understanding at the end of a point, but now is being used in avoidance. Oh, it is what it is. I don't have to pay attention to it. Oh, I don't have to answer. I don't have to be responsible to anything, to consciousness, to our community, to people that uh, just cross our day or have been on our lives since our birth. We're just conditioned to go, 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 and not actually stop and self-reflect and take a look at oneself. And until something happens in your life. Until it explodes and it goes boom. You got the tumor, your mom dies, and then all of a sudden you wake up. Yeah, well, one of the things I was thinking about, well, so first when you came in the room, um, you did a little bit of an analysis of me, which was unsolicited, but it's fine. <laughs> I'm so very <laughs> no, sorry. It um, and why don't you just repeat for the audience who knows me after, I don't know, 96 episodes, 97, now. 97 episodes, um, what your analysis revealed. So essentially, yeah, I'm, I'm tapping into what's now known as the sympathetic nervous system that uh, really actually channels and works with those fields that are around us. You'll see a lot of work coming out of Joe Dispenza on these fields, and we can actually tap in and feel out the environment. There's even children that can close their eyes and read books now actually using some of this. It's absolutely incredible where it's being taken and allowed to go. So when I come in, I'm 
a natural empath. Right. They're going to kill me with your bracelet, by the way. Oh. Maybe put your hands under. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to keep hitting. I think. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry. So in that essence, um, I'm a natural born empath and we are all empathetic and have access to these sympathetic nervous systems. But I very readily can feel almost you as myself. It's very hard to explain in a lot of those. So you see in me parts of you, what you recognize. Is that kind of what you're saying? Better yet, I feel you. I feel you almost as if I would feel myself, but there are two, two distinct. I have to know myself at all given times. This is one of like, I have to do daily practice, regular meditation, multiple times a day to make sure I'm always tuned into my energies, my chakras. That way I can notice any difference or something that's not within me or all of a sudden what I already have is extremely pulled up and charged. So it's a lot of chakra workers and energy readers will actually see the energy. I don't actually visualize anything. Even in my brain, when I close my eyes, it's what's known as a revisualization learning disability. I regurgitated milk as a young child. It, it's a whole long story, but from that... I, I was a homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a competition. <laughs> <laughs> my brain's broken a little bit. Sure, in sure. certain senses, and yeah. it gives me this ability to feel. So when I came in, I started feeling into these areas and these chakras, um, and I took that moment to really just dive in and feel. And I felt like you you have an incredible sight behind you. You know where you want to go and where you want to be and, and that general path and focus. Like it's it's so the further down towards the future you get, it almost narrows down and goes Definitely. in. And that's what you want for that focus. It's so pure coming from that third eye. With that also, and not surprised with the podcast, your voice. You have a very, very strong voice coordinated. You know what you want to say. You say it when you say it. You know when to reserve it, even when you reserve. This is not a closing, but an understanding. And that comes from the link of both your, your throat chakra to your third eye. It's actually working beautifully in tandem to actually relieve that when you're not using your throat chakra, your chakra understands it's for good purpose. This is also linked, and I started feeling into the heart space, as in you've, you've done incredible work to actually fe feel those wounds from childhood linking into past more last deep week <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> yes all through life yeah yeah and and really just the the final whiffs of getting comfortable with these new understandings and your healing and that's all i feel left kind of really in your heart space which is beautiful and very very rare in this world i'm gonna say it flat out to you do you think it's because i've done acid so much this summer um that will be a large component of of that alignment in in the trip three those three are your strongest alignment right now and i would contribute psychedelics 100 percent to actually helping you gain that sight and face yourself and clear things and purge emotions and feel higher expanses of joy and really psychedelics essentially just get you to be more in all aspects and and push and put those boundaries and then we bring that back to our everyday experiences yeah i said on the show it feels like um i blasted apart my neuro connections and then rewired most of them in the same way but like almost changed a few wires like i i sort of picture those women I don't know the, I'm going to say stupid. Let's say it's like fifties, you know, like operators when they used to change the, the to, route, to, route, to route the calls. Yeah. Um, that's what it feels like to me is, is that, and also a level of my, uh, mindfulness. But, um, I was saying to you earlier that the last time I did LSD, I felt like, 
again, you're supposed to go in it with the good headspace. Um, I was very angry for the first two hours, and um, it's very strange to be hallucinating on a beautiful beach. Beautiful, subjective. Beautiful with these glasses. <laughs> Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> Turks and Caicos. Um, and then also have this really strong energy coming out and uh, sort of was doing like a review in my head of the past 10 years because I'm leaving this city um, of all the people that have wronged me. And it's so funny to me because like at that point you'd want to think of like all the positive people, but it's like, I just have so much anger still in me Mm -hmm. and I was really pissed and I was really linking what was unifying them all and what they had taken from me. And that's the, I think what was making me so energy is like, er, so mad is that they stole parts of me. Um, whether it's like a lover, right? They steal your hope. You uh, thought they were going to go ahead. Yes. I'm totally like called to jump in mm-hmm. this. The, the shaman mm-hmm. is dying. If, if you will. To, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Ooh, sound effects. I like it. Um, every breakthrough will need one of those. So, um, basically first off, yeah, you were angry on the beach. I'm going to ask you very directly. You can ask me anything. How angry are you at them now? Still. Still. But I found a way to to <sighs> so let's let's absolve some Jordan. of that anger. There we go. Oh, wow. Can you guys hear that? Hey, do it a little closer, closer to the mic. To the mic. So that's a sound bowl for those of you who don't know. Operates on the five twenty eight hertz healing frequencies. So essentially. Um, what I'm getting Not here yet. Don't is, press it yet. is you're you're angry and you're saying these people, these things they took from you, they they took they it. stole my brain, they stole your brain and my hope. But you chose to interact with them. Oh, hundred percent. I I agree with you. I I went to an amazing therapist. Uh, she's in Yorkville. I I don't want to give her name because I I don't need. Who she's knows? yours. <laughs> uh, no, but I've given her to a couple of people and whatever, yeah. but um, she let me practice uh, radical ownership of everything in my life. So like current Jordan would go like, yes, I did stay or like, yeah, but you dated that person. Yeah, but you whatever. I think why I'm so angry as I have gotten rid of most of the people that pulled from me and used me. Mm-hmm. And there's a few left mm-hmm. that are still here and I need to figure out how to get them off to get that final closure. And, and essentially what, what the idea is, is now it's not about what's external of you. This is the, one of the biggest kind of principles that you'll see really starting to emerge is your happiness is created simply because of the unfocus out, the focus outside of you. You're unfocused on inside of you. People will even suffer their successes, not just their tragedies. Sure. Wonderful. Uh, Saudi guru, um, just puts it down very, very plainly. It's about attaining inner peace by not focusing externally and really allowing that tangible value, not from this place of, oh, well, I understand. No, I did like ownership. You have to own it. So when we talk about that radical ownership, as you're saying, it's got to be even energetically empowered. I fucked up for myself because I'm beautiful and learning always put those seals on it that last kind of there's no shame in any of this there's no shame in learning about what's true to yourself what angers you and how to put it out now maybe there's some areas where you feel like you might duplicate might 
have not fully finished and learned, not feel strong enough to finish those final connections as uh, some of them are still kind of lingering, take those steps, see, see it through. Often we don't do it preemptively to say, you know, I'm angry. How am I showing up? How did I show up to ask for these types of things? So in essence, where I'd say is that anger is still fueled by yourself. There's something within you and your focus that you are not unhappy. That yeah, you I, are met at my, I met at myself that I let myself be treated like that. There you go. And I will not let it happen again, but I think uh, I think the, the one that I would, I don't know if I would disagree with you on this one, but I think the other anger that I'm speaking of, the first one is like a business thing. The second one is more like meeting a person who I wanted to be with long term, mm-hmm. uh, who showed me a fairy tale and then delivered a nightmare a month later. That's kind of the the vibe. And then I think my anger was like, you stole my hope. And there was very little of it left. Mm. But I think the maturity would go, yeah, but they just didn't have the tools and it's not about you. It's like they were doing their best. Very good. Um, Thank so you. No, Thank no, you, no, teacher. The, the, yeah. <laughs> I love, I love the, the, the... What do I call the, do, the What do I call you? Just shaman? Sensei. Sensei shaman. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, my name's Matt. Matt. I, I'm like, I'm not about a lot of that I was stuff. hoping you were going to wear like a garb when you came in here. I thought I, it'd be really cool. No, what I love doing is blending the world. So my tie is my crystals. Mm. Um, I come from a business customer service background and there's something neat in Psychedelica, I think episode two or three of the first season where they're into shaman and right at the end, this was actually, um, right before my very first lemon juice acceleration. And I'll, I'll mention about how I actually accelerate the mushroom. Um, but I went under with the last kind of echoing question of that episode. What would the shaman of today look like? Would they adorn all the garbs Depends where they were geographically located. Exactly. Or would they sometimes actually look in a business suit, depending on the culture that they were raised like in? Like Manhattan. So, boom. Yeah. Toronto. Yeah, so, well, I wouldn't compare those okay, two. Okay, yeah, yeah, You know, I was just <laughs> in Manhattan. There's there's hopes and dreams there. I was like, city. city People center. have identities there. They're individuals. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I gotta go to Manhattan. That yeah. sounds nice. No, no, it's not It's not nice. It's not It's not that nice. Uh, okay, so let me, let's uh, get into a couple things. So one of the things I was saying to you that's really interesting is because um, so many people nowadays, they always have to put people in boxes because it's how they understand them when they're, uh, you know, pea-brained is how I would put it. So they always have to go like, oh, you're a liberal, you're conservative, like the intense tribalism that we feel now. And then then that's made worse by the algorithm of social media. So that's why people are crazy. Uh, not me, I'm perfect, of course. But, um, you know, some people will listen to the show and say like, oh, you're a conservative, you're a liberal, you're a libertarian. And I'm always just kind of like, no, I'm just like a person. Like no one's anything. Like yes. relax. The only people that are anything are like total grifters that are trying to make millions of dollars being like X, Y, Z. And I feel like what's interesting is when I was reading the what you sent to Shivam, it was talking about how, you know, you've been on frontline protests and you were protesting stealing uh, land from indigenous people. And then you also were protesting the restrictions during COVID-19. And it's so funny to me because people that think like that and I don't like I would probably be aligned with you in both those capacities because I understand who the establishment is. Mm-hmm. They would look at you and be like, wait a minute. Like, I thought you were like a hardcore leftist. 
and now you're like with like the truckers convoy and I get it. It's how I feel about like Glenn Greenwald and certain independent journalists. It's just that you're a principled person and you see the injustice and it, you don't have to put anyone in a box, let's say. Never. Um, that's the system of influence. I like to title it completely is this control that comes down from the top to get us to divide, to fight, to pick up these arguments that polarize us from each other. Perfect example is the right and the left. And I like to simply summarize it by saying, in a world where both right and left appear to be fundamentally flawed, why not strive for the middle and balance? Which then gets this approach of, oh, you're a centrist. I'm like, no, I'm a realist. I'm a realist. I'm a logicalist. I don't need, there's not even a word for that, you know? Going into really the stuff we grew up on, the what I like to call the philosophers of our time, you know, Stan Lee, George Lucas, these these wonderful storytellers. But you can see in, in Star Trek even, um, the polarization of everything always gets done when Kirk and Spock come and meet together. Logic and emotion. Finding that balance. You can see this in everywhere, even in the old lessons of Taoism, Taoism, Buddhism, Christianity. Every religion has it within it, is this striving for balance. And that is essentially the keys to connecting our communities and enlightenment. And that's where you can really see this polarization of the right and the left. Because when you talk to someone who's massively right-leaning, you can actually start to hear, if you're listening deeply, that it's usually got a subwoven context of the left. <laughs> totally. And totally. if you go over to the left, it's got a subwoven context of the right. Yes. And, so and it's like why Alex Jones always reposts uh, Chris Hedges, who's a very left-wing journalist. And you're like, and people can't figure it out. And I was like, no, because they just have different ways of going after the establishment. And they're both anti-status. Like, that's just who they are. But it's just they have different... And it's so funny because I heard Chris Hedges like really talking a lot of stuff about Alex Jones. And my thought is like there's tons of bad things you could say about Alex Jones, like many people, like George Bush. But at the end of the day, I was like, oh, you don't get your nexus here. Like in the same way that a lot of far right people love guns, there's also a lot of people on the left who like guns because neither group trusts the government. And they know that well. what happens when they take the guns. And when you see these two polarized people both fighting the establishment, I'm sitting back looking at this going, y'all still caught up in the establishment while you're fighting the establishment. Totally. Do you think there's a problem of low self-esteem in this city? Because Massively. I think that to believe that you have to go, that you're still wearing masks at the airport mm -hmm. and you need to enter your country with an app, but no one else is doing it. To think that that's what you deserve is strange. Uh, it's a strange affinity that people have here for the government. It's just complacency. It's people just don't really want to care. I'm talking to a customer. I work a customer service desk at a tanning salon by the day. And yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, it's really I'm neat. familiar. I do the spray. Do you do the spray? I, I do the mm. spray like once a year if there's an event. Come see me down at uh, Soul Exotica on Isabella. Shameless promo right there. <laughs> we'll delete that out. Yeah, we're gonna charge him for that. <laughs> no, no, they'll love it if it's there. Um, and just a quick note, like light spectrum science. There's a lot that's been suppressed about SPF, and again, they're trying to keep us from all this health. It's all this control and directing us to who's they. They, I would say, would be what is titled as the elites, and I would even. So I am a. I call myself a deep theorist. I 
think of my own theories. I don't just, I v- read very little online, to be honest. Like, I don't read You're a lot. You're not missing much. It's I, people I, eating it's chicken wings. Jesus. Oh, my God. Online, <laughs> what happened? I missed 2008 YouTube. I missed 1994. Stuff. I was oh, telling someone the other day. Power Rangers. Yeah, I, uh, well, I don't really mean, th- I don't, <laughs> I read some mainstream press. Yeah. Just to keep myself in the loop, but I'm too, I'm too far to take any of it that seriously because, I would say ninety five percent of people that are really kind of asleep, like in the way that, like, um, you know, here's a perfect example that just went right over people's heads when the Hunter Biden laptop story came out. um, The uh, FBI and the CIA came out, and the top ten people in the FBI and the top ten people in the CIA all came out. I think it was ten or twenty came out, and they did this letter basically saying, "This is not real. This is Russian disinformation," because I think the idea was they didn't want Trump to win. And uh, then it comes out now that it's irrefutable. It's real. We all know it's real. And I just said, just take that single moment for people who have a lot of affinity for authority is that you have the security state basically coming out and the top people in both groups just coming out and completely lying to the general public. This is also a security state that participates in drugging citizens, Mm -hmm. infiltrating the media, coups in other countries, selling crack, the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping. So it's like, I think once you kind of know that, it's very hard to take a lot of it seriously. That being said, you have to then try to find some... I find you can just take tidbits from certain areas and kind of come up with something because then, you know, you end up going down like a crazy rumble rabbit hole and you go a little too far. Yep. And, and that's hard to calibrate. I would even say that was that was planned out. Um, there's We've got Hollywood. We've got Bollywood and we've got politics. <laughs> we've got politics. Yeah. Politics are just another form of a song and a dance. Acting. They, they it, Most of them are actors. If you really see it, they're not in truly involved in these policies or they're getting decisions from other people. Jimmy Kimmel now. He's just basically oh like goes on and says like talking points. Yeah. And there's no f- comedy. It's, it's just strange. It, it but again, the numbers are going like this for a reason. And so when I say the elites, I'm talking even above World Economic Forum. There's, I, I would say if they we're really dealing with shadow, we're dealing with people that aren't even named in, in any birth certificates into these systems or anything, and they have representatives, and we're dealing with some old, old stuff, thousands of years old. For sure. I will be 100% open. I have openly online multiple times, and yet here again, I'm coming for you guys. I'm coming for you guys with better business practices and connecting communities, and I'm not going to fight in the streets and be distracted anymore. Eventually, I will build um, a platform to actually run for politics and get into fixing these underlying issues of our society. Do you think they'll freeze you out? Um, Go ahead. Then you'll prove. The problem is, is call me cynical, uh, the system doesn't want you to change it, meaning like... um, you're then you'll go, well, then the people will change it. But the people are very stupid, Matthew. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really different, different, different kinds of stupid. Not but I'm accessing saying like, the intelligence that is there to them. That's the soft way of saying idiots. But I mean, <laughs> that's I the I shamanized <laughs> way of like trying to understand people. I don't really have that kind of patience. But um, I do. I do definitely believe people can change things, especially on like a local level. Um I think I'm just waiting. I've been waiting so many decades for people to change themselves. Love it. And I haven't seen a lot of that. I've seen definitely people around me and people I've met, people I've dated. Definitely it's there. 
Um, but I do also believe that right now that, and it's the internet, um, is waking a lot of people up very rapidly mm-hmm. to how the system really works. And that's why you see a lot of pushback on the internet and censorship and misinformation and, and kind of keeping it down because when people are left to openly discuss things get out. Yeah. And to point on that awakening that you're talking about, yes, we have people who are woke. They got an eye open. The good woke, not the... Like, they kind of opened up an eye. Sure. Then you've got awakened. Both eyes are open, and we're starting to, like, breathe and really think. And then you got some of us who are sitting up, looking around, and really paying attention to the supplied arguments within conspiracy the fact that conspiracy protesting all of it is arguably designed to more put us against each other every civil rights movement has been steered and directed we know BLM Clinton Soros fundings just as one Martin prime Luther example <laughs> i watched the freedom movements i watched some really weird stuff almost all those leaders in the beginning out of queens park I watched and had deep conversations about how becoming sensationalized, overcharged, and using words like China da would actually push the mass that we need to convince away through the mass psychosis and the way that they're displaying people in the media. They agreed with me. This is important. Very deeply agreed, and we talked about deep psychology, like not 101, but... We're not talking Doug Ford, are we? No, oh, I'm talking sorry. about... All like the, eating a bucket of All the leaders of the freedom movements agreed that it would push away the masses and keep the movement small if they went sensationalized and actually started becoming what the government was hoping. And then I watched all of them go and do it anyways. Well, and also, definitely I agree with you, and I definitely I also agree... Yeah. <laughs> I definitely also think it's... People are very emotionally can be manipulated very easily. So I watched a plant in the indigenous camp, take a shadow punch to create a false argument with the police officers. I've seen some shit. Oh, like a, like a agent provocateur, agent provocateurs. I'm talking about your agent provocateurs, your insiders, your people are like, they're, Oh, it, it's, <laughs> it's bad. Like people are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. With movements. And, we never want to actually look in and see all of that. Who knows what happened with Ottawa? Who knows what happened with well, all the movements? Well, here's what, I, what, what did happen with Ottawa. I think this was the part that really bothered me. As, as a taxpayer, as we all are, mm-hmm. uh, funding the CBC during that period, I, I do believe in the value of a public broadcaster, but what they were spewing and what they were saying on the CBC, I said, listen, you want to go batshit crazy state stenography, not question anything? That's fine. Stop taking my tax dollars because this doesn't even make sense anymore i mean it was like they were taking press releases from the government and just saying them yep uh things that were ridiculous this the russians are behind this all these different things and then you know this is white supremacy this is blah blah, blah. and then you would go on the internet you would go on social media and you would see people of all races coming together all ages all gender sexual everything and you saw unification i was there right and my friends were also there and they were minorities and they were saying like you think I would hang around if it was a white supremacy protest? But what was so angry to me is that, like, people who are highly emotional tend to be more on the left. They were easily manipulated mm-hmm. into uh, believing it was something else. And the government took advantage of that and a couple buzzwords here and there. And that's what really made me disheartened and um, 
more cynical about the media than I had been before. I mean, I call it state stenography. That's basically what it was Mm -hmm. to a degree. It was beautiful, the idea of people coming together. Um, And I did, you know, there is these moments where it's like, hey, there could be someone there with a swastika. There could be. That being said, when you know how things work, you do also kind of not feel like you know what's real anymore because in those moments, you know, I saw the guy with the swastika on Twitter, you know, it, it kind of wasn't speaking and all that stuff. And I went like, oh, agent provocateur, like that's that's a fed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was and I don't know if it wasn't. And that's what I run into sometimes is kind of like feeling like I don't really know what's real at, at times. I mean, it's called hyper normalization. So take that. That's like low bearing fruit for the media and so on and so forth. Take that and expand it massively expand that guy's probably paid you know a couple hundred bucks to do that not much and they get these little if it was we don't know if it 100 percent was but now let's 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 actually take into account you know i think it's yuri yuri something or other from the 1980s a kgb agent that's actually talking about the subversion of the country and his specific um his specific notes in relation to protesting and that people will actually peer and come up as a savior and like i'm talking about the deep stuff now go in to a protest as i'm just a mental health person i'm finishing up a poverty case study government shut down all this stuff i want to help i'm determined i can i'm gonna go i'm gonna camp out on the streets and then get involved and get on the boards of the original fearless ontario actually set up by randy hillier's office um in with chris sky vladimir sobolov kellyanne wolf i know all these people personally on a first name and i got questions for all of them and every time i start asking they run the other way what are your questions um where did the money go what was actually happening why did you act a fool on purpose when we talked about how all they that can't foolish help behavior would have been going on well i would actually say that some of them actually fit the notes of subversion they fit the notes of becoming a savior and then doing the last thing that you should do. I watched someone say I'm building movements, but every other I'm building and helping others create other movements, not just these ones. And then watch them in the background with the conversations of people running this stuff about how they were mauled over and taken advantage of and all this stuff. So the background politics that's happening in all this is worse than the politic front running that we're seeing yet. We want to fight the government. Yeah. And no one wanted to actually deal with this. And it, it that same mass psychology that you're seeing, I saw it go in in the freedom movements. I'll say it plainly. I watched people follow blindly, follow blindly and not want to actually deal with it. And then you have people in the crowd and all different levels creating and poking problems and pointing out the things in the backwards way and what's ridiculous to get. Like I watched a stage show go on. And it's still going on to this day. Now we have a movement that is basically just completely pushing religion. Um, sure, it is yeah. angry at people for deciding to put on their masks. So we came out to fight for freedom of choice to then demand the choices that others make. Right. Like right. this, you want to talk about awakening, awaken to yourself and what you're putting out. And then maybe I can start, you know, having that awakened conversation because it doesn't matter what conspiracies you know and believe. That's just another form of indoctrination and regurgitation, the way that they are put forward. This information will eventually get out. Why not take advantage of that and put it out in a certain way to divide us from each other? Case in point, 
is actually messages from what's called the Eighth Fire Youth. There's supposed to be seven rings of fire within the indigenous. There is an actual prophecy of the Eighth Fire Youth will break through to actually fix and heal the plane and send the direction. Now, they are noting to the mass manipulation that was going on before media and all of this, but through the speak and tell of their own stories to each other, the mass charging for racism, the over-entitlement into land. And I say yes, over-entitlement, because the youth fire, the eighth fire youth have looked me in the face and said, because I am born on this land, I might not be six or first nations, but I am definitely indigenous and need to actually own that right so I take care of this land and come to that spirit. These are the lessons that they're actually breaking through, not these segregatory that it is all our lands and when we actually get into the stories of how the creator gave them the land was they they said you're so amazing and we, we have creator i have i'm creator i have something for you i want to give you the air and they turned it down and it was given to the asians and then you know i want to give you the water and they turned that down and that was given to the blacks and then i want to give you the fire and then that was turned down and that was given to the whites and well this is mine and you can't have it, but I need you, since you're so amazing, to protect my land. Great. Well, let's look at the racial charging in that story, the absolute racial conditioning and charging. Let's also look at the mislink from the actual lessons of Creator that it is not an ownership of the land, but the protection of the land. And if that is the actual thing, then I'm sorry, some of your own are calling you fired because you didn't do the best job. You actually made agreements as a mass, and your chiefs and things let these people actually come in and made some of these agreements. This is about that personal acceptance to turn around and go, it is our land, it was our problems, it was the colonialism that came in that still mass psychology keeps us trapped in this enslavement altogether. The realization that mental health is the single and real only oppression. They oppress our minds, and it is the place that they come for every single person. And you can see even the psychological attacks recently in Trinity Bellwoods. You'll look at Trinity Bellwoods where there was an encampment that was completely disrooted, wasn't, community loved it. There was so much fight to say and leave them alone. There is what now a- parts of the community loved it? All parts. Um, I don't Trinity, agree with that. Uh, a lot of parts were enjoying it, except people don't for the like ones people don't like camps in their parks when they have a two million dollar home. I'm not saying it's right, but very true. And so it's also you. No, I assign a lot of. Um, I appreciate that check. Well, here's the here's the problem: is that like, it's like in a group you're going to have well intentioned people in those tents, and then you're going to have people using needles, and your four year old going for a walk with the dog. Very true. And that's where... I don't know what the solution is, by the way. I'm just saying, like, I understand their community, point. Every community needs to be doing better. And and I appreciate that because sometimes, you know, we have to watch our, our questions of absolution. We have to see what we're putting out. We have to be willing to accept when someone goes, hey, 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 you overspoke there. Oh, no, no. It's just no. your opinion. I'm just disagreeing with it. No, and I'm disagreeing with it, too. Okay. That's... I'm, I'm trying to actually also just explain a little real-time self-reflection to go, oh, I don't... You know, I totally misspoke. Let's bring that back. And you're very right in your point that not everyone... But a lot of parts of the community were saying there's an issue here that these people need more and also just need better support on how to come in and manipulate the system like straight up. You don't pay taxes. You can manipulate it way better than any of us and get so far ahead. Just kind of go with it and go with some of this stuff and then go and change it and buy the land from better business practices and so on, like really show them what's going on. 
But at the end of the day, that encampment got removed, and then they put a leash-free dog zone right over top of it. Now, don't tell me that's not a message. Don't tell me that's not a message. I think it's just. I think it's just what the people want, which is great. People don't want to see it. They don't want to see a homeless person. They don't. don't. It's not right, but we. It's because it's exactly what it is. We see reflected in them our greatest fear is that we're going to be homeless, and we don't want to fix the problem too. And this is the major thing that brought me to protesting: is the mental health system. A lot of it, the minimum wage systems. The if I pay you five dollars more than minimum wage is an amazing amazing wage all of it is the few making off the backs of the many pretending like it's not going on just to erode our societies this is subversion of a country now i've studied the poverty system by going as deep to living it i left an automotive career of over a decade a service advisor salesman and i actually left tesla and went and studied the poverty system i was having some trouble and i went you know what i'm i'm gonna lean into this and go become self-employed, and I'm, I'm pretty much done with this system, but let's see what it's about. Years later, I'm like, what is going Wait, on? Wait, hold on. When you say you went, take I us went from up, the beginning. I, I basically um, was working at Tesla, and there was a whole thing where I got a position someone felt that they should have got. I beat out like 500 applicants and people in the workplace for months, and someone eventually brought this to me. For months, they were actually working to pushed me out of the dealership because you know I just was a go-getter I came from a dealership background they didn't like dealership kind of so kind of think like iPhone mentality this cultural mentality I'm like let's just get the job Politics. done and take care of the customers you guys are taking days to turn around cars like I can literally see the 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 error here the error here it's new company please and then three weeks later, someone would do up a PDF of the same thing I was saying. That would but, but hold work. on, get to the part where you so go and live in poverty. Yeah. So I don't care about Tesla. I, I was basically <laughs> done with, uh, basically done with the system, and so I went to understand and live in poverty to reset and look at becoming self-employed. But more so, I'm like, this is fundamentally flawed. I lived in a low-income building, and there were a bunch of people with all kinds of skills that could go and work that weren't. And there is a real problem of this actually going on. We saw it actually blow up through the shutdown and people just became complacent. We're watching this, this push towards UBI. It's very, very real. Now, these people need to do better for themselves, but there also is a certain level of understanding, not slack, but understanding that the world's manipulated us to just become lazy and complacent and eventually live off the system. But it's not enough. There's no real support, and it basically whittles you out to the point where you're homeless. Now, these homeless people don't have IDs. They don't have any foundation to actually support from. There's no real way. It takes at least six months to a year to rehabilitate someone once they're out to a certain point, and that needs to be a real like housing project. But the reality is we're not stemming the issue. We're waiting till people are completely broken. We are not using our resources and what's going on in this society to actually fix homelessness. It's up to everyone. It's up to business owners to pay their employees better and cut them in a little bit. Stop taking 80% of the profits if you're not working the ground. Start taking the pr- 40%. The problem is the system. Because the problem is the system you have and to, the way you have people to pay the shareholders. It. So you have to keep it... It's like people go, oh, I'll just pay the employees more, but then you're not going to get the return well, for the shareholders. So and the system so fails. Let me, let me bring that into context a little bit for you, how to actually restructure some of that. So what we do is we look at paychecks as an expense. 
No. Shareholders need to be looked at as the expense, 100%. That number that's after shareholders, paying rent, your supplies, minus paychecks, that's the number we start looking at. We look at ownership involvement. Ownerships need to be ethical about this. They look at their involvement within the business. If you are on the ground, then you're going to be into an on-the-ground calculation. So let's say that end result number is 75% to on-the-ground and 25% to the ownership and so on and so forth. Now, again, expenses. If you have a head office, that's an expenses, right? So on the ground, what's left over after all of that? 75% of that, that money goes to on the ground. If the business owner is behind it, they're into those percentages. The way you simply pay this is you have a base pay and then bonus. It's very, very simple. No longer would anyone be making money off the backs of others. If you are building good businesses with good platforms, putting out good revenue, then you will be able to structure this and make multiple business and expand. Yeah, but I'm talking no about more publicly franchises. traded. I'm talking, there are publicly traded companies you just could not do this with because you cannot restructure those. If it was like a mom and pop shop, absolutely. But I don't. Publicly traded, you could. You couldn't because then you would have to go to Walmart and propose this and they'd say we have to pay our shareholders this dividend every year and the system collapses. That's not just making money. That's pensions. That's old people. That's – I mean that's what the system so – the system itself is is very rigid. If the numbers come out after those calculations that there's no extra – Sure. But who's doing the calculations? And that no one is. That's my point. Is no one's looking at taking shareholders at the end or any of that and just this gross profit, this net profit, but actually restructuring the way that we do the final calculations to again say those shareholders are taken care of in the expenses. So the shareholders aren't a question at this point. We have paid everything other than paychecks. Everything other than paychecks. Then we look at those numbers and what you will find on average, is only 20% going to the ground, the people actually making the money. Now, if every business turned around and flipped into this understanding, this is where it gets really juicy. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's got some money on the ground. Now we've, got, now we've just stimulated the economy. Now that money's already coming back up, and it's multiplying as it goes around, and it goes right back up to them anyways. So the shareholders will be taken care of. The revenues will be there if everybody got on board. This is where mass psychosis is a problem because you're trying to break everything all at once. Sure. And I mean, I'm I'm out of the matrix personally, like meaning I'm self-employed. Uh, I couldn't do it any other way if only for the office politics part. Yeah. Um, but I like the ability to have limitless income. I don't like answering to anyone. Yes. Um, that part all appeals to me, and I always actually encourage people because I believe in decentralized power. I think that's that's the best option. I just don't have a lot of faith in the system. Like the, the, I understand what you're saying. It's just that dividing it up, because I think you kind of made the point earlier, which contradicts that, is that when people get attention in those groups, uh, power corrupts, right? Oh, yeah. And so it's like any centralized power, like a communism, anything like that, I just think we're deeply flawed as humans in a way that the idealism might not translate. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but I'm saying like... Oh, getting it actually in? Yeah. Like it's, it's like uh, someone brought to me like a political solution if everyone voted for themselves. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That would break the system overnight. Brilliant. Oh, like wrote their own name in? Wrote their own name yeah. in and everyone voted for themselves. 
Now let's look at the application and actually getting it's that done. It's not going to happen. People also want to be taken care of. Exactly. So they see their hero and yeah, the, it's like a whole. We have to get everyone self-empowered, self-reflective. Like it, they're just, no, it's I wanna, not going to come together. I want to go back to what you said about the people because I, I was listening to this guy. What's his name? Michael Schellenberger. I think he was on Joe Rogan and he was talking about uh, in California, he's running for governor. I think he didn't. He, he only won like 5% of the vote. But he was talking about like uh, in San Francisco and L.A., which is a huge homeless problem. He was talking about that when you look at these populations, you can bifurcate them into groups of people that um, are so severely mentally ill that there's no chance they could ever be integrated, rehabilitated, anything like that. Many years ago, they would go into an asylum. And then he said that you have this other group of people that um, unless you give them a carrot, uh, they're going to just keep using. So you have to basically turn to them and be like, your options are uh, rehab or jail. Uh, and you have to give them that incentive. Otherwise, they're just going to go like, this is just for me, and they don't have that empowerment and self-esteem. It should I guess be you, you have the option of love or jail. Um, I did a living... Well, I guess they would say rehab is I a helped, form of love. I help someone... Well, it's not, though. That's the problem. It should be. It should be a form of love, but it really, really isn't because of certain ethics in the system and the way they teach them. This is, again, part of the, the notes of subversion. Um, is people are taught not to actually finish the problem. And I'm coming from a place that I helped a gentleman, a high school acquaintance, actually recover after 20 years of math living counseling for one year. I've done it. I didn't even know people lived 20 years doing math. Yeah. Oh, functional oh addicts God. are absolutely incredible. Used to cocktail, all kinds of stuff. Like, And I went through some of the psychosises where he was in psychosis. We're calling the ambulance for suicide stuff. He's used. He's all over the place. And he's going, I know what you guys are here to do. I just would rather he does it because he just believes that the paramedics and everyone are a hit squad. And he's asking me to, to what? Get, give to him a blood transfusion? No, to be the one who kills him. Oh dear! Because he's accepted, um, he's accepted how horrible of a human being he is, and he's ready to go. And he just would like his friend to do it instead of someone a stranger. That's the places that the psychosis can actually take. But it's simply a fracturing of the the subconscious is just missing the subconscious wall, and everything's coming through and bleeding bleeding through. This is essentially schizophrenia. It can be drug induced. It can be born. It can be trauma induced. But that schizophrenia is all. Everything from the subconscious that they've heard or gone about or thought is now coming through in a, in a melange of just, I don't know what's real. If you go to a schizophrenic and say you have one of the most powerful brains in the world and you're so beautiful and I'm so sorry that this world is so corrupt that you don't know what's real and what's not and you have to do that as a daily fight and I just want to know that I love you, you will watch a completely different human being. Right, because you've treated them with compassion. They actually look at me and go, well, I'm, you know what? I don't want to tell you all my stories and lie to you. Mm. I go, I know, because your schizophrenia is beautiful. They just don't appreciate it. And they go, thank you. Now, the big note that people don't know about is it takes three to six months on average for the system to get a schizophrenic to admit their schizophrenia. And they'll do this in 30 seconds with love. That's the power that love has. Real, unconditional love. The love... That Yeshua, Jesus, whoever you have to go, was putting out there where he was l hugging lepers. Great. All these religious people turning around won't go near anyone, yet they're toting the light in the way, which was how the man lived, not celebrating him. And it, 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 you just see this going on in society, this complete lack of love and compassion and this entitlement for, well, I've earned. So, you know, what? It's, it's a bottom line of you will earn or die. 
And we have the resources and everything. Food is getting wasted. We have all of this and people talk about it. But again, it's just one absolution system to not feel guilty when the reality is, is sometimes people have trouble. This is a cutthroat world. And if we had a better bottom line of food, shelter and clothing and and the ability to just be with community without stressing of every moment, you would watch people go into it, earn more, look for more for themselves if the simple bottom line wasn't death because that stress comes down on you it's all designed to erode us to the bottom if you don't one of the lucky few who make it through sure and why do you think people make it through because i mean i'm someone who made it through uh, I, i didn't come from poverty but i i find it hard to identify with people that are mentally weak and it's a character flaw of mine meaning uh I am just wired a certain way that I went through really tough things in life that like many people would have killed themselves, but I was able to channel that into businesses and books and I just feel like I won't be destroyed. But that being said, it's hard for me to, again, it's like our whole narcissism. It's like, we're just trying to see in someone else what we are and people that, um, are weak. Um, I don't like to be around that energy. Um, and it's not good, but, um, I think it's because I don't really understand it. And maybe I am fearful that if I go weaker, I won't be able to survive. And something in you is something fearful is resonating in you 100% with that. Yeah. Um, and this is where it's like not, not to cast judgment, but just, Oh, judge away. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You are strong. You can't really offend me. You are strong. But in a sense is you want, you want visceral deep strength being able to be around that no problem you know what i mean like that's that's now a situation outside of me is not wavering now that's not to say that you're weak it's just we can always look and nitpick and we can we can look at all these things going but at a certain level you didn't give up plain plain and simple you did not succumb to the pressure of the system correct you didn't you're strong i think it's genetics now Let's take that into weightlifting. Oh, you noticed my bicep? Yeah, <laughs> some biceps there, but are you bench pressing 400 pounds? No, no, God, no. Weekly. It, it, well, that'd probably throw up my back. Weekly. Right. You see what I'm saying there? Is just looking at these people as weak instead of under pressure. So not looking that they can't lift the bar, but how much bar, how much pressure's on their bar. This is, is something we often mm. forget. This is what we, we often forget about these people is they are beautiful human beings with their capabilities. And if the system was more available, yeah, some of them wouldn't work, but they'd be around to help with groceries and community projects. I know a handful of yoga teachers that would totally go live on a UBI and give free yoga in the park all the time. So we, there is also something to be said that a better bottom line that would allow people to choose to go into capitalism or not because we have the right to live and eat, and that was taken away from us by this system and this world that we can't just you know, go grab a plot of land, grow some food, and live. It's not like that here. And because there is so many benefiting so much because it's not like that here, that needs to be respected on the bottom end. What's massively missing from this system is two major things. We change and tweak two things massively, it changes. We need a nonprofit housing corporation. Anyone listening, you got a hundred million dollars to actually fix Toronto 
homelessness. I am here. Contact. I'm sure my contacts will be somewhere on this. I am boasting that with a properly structured nonprofit housing corporation with a rehabilitation aspect where we're teaching budgeting and all the stuff that is truly missing that keep people on the ground, that we could actually see Toronto homelessness fixed within 10 years. 10 years. And I'm talking about the cheapest of the cheap rent like units that you've seen um, as far as repair, like the cheap cupboards, this, that. It's nothing super fancy. Yeah, you don't actually have cupboards in the bottom, just a few up top. Like, I mean, how cheap and basic can we make this so people still want to go and earn and get more for themselves too? But at that point, if we can bring a one-bedroom down to five, 600 bucks a month, the reality is, is if we had this actually going, it would destimulate other rental markets it would actually bring mortgages and a lot of other stuff into proper balance and people could actually live off a part-time job at 25 hours a week with a decent pay behind it if these business owners are opening up more you see how all this starts to yeah i think you're just granting human beings too much credit 100 percent. but i believe (laughs) no it's beautiful um i think the problem is that um People are self, they're self-interested. And here's where I pander to that. Because people don't want to see homeless. They don't want to see this in the park. There you go. You uh, know? I, I do agree with there that. There is so self-interest. Here's what I will say is that, you know, when you raise the minimum wage, uh, many economists will say, well, the prices go up, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't really like win. Like you go to Australia, it's like $24 minimum wage. But what I say often to, let's say like a Ben Shapiro type, um, you know, very free market, pretty conservative dude, is that, like, uh, if you don't do that, then you cannot complain when the crime goes up. So if only from a self-interested perspective, mm-hmm. you should be for the minimum wage increase because when people cannot afford f- things and, you know, take care of their families crime will go up and you want to live like you said you want to live in a neighborhood where the crime is not up. so i'm talking about getting ahead of minimum wage and that exact problem that you're talking is that's why i say if business owners actually got together to just restructure the way we did this um uh that like with incentive payments with incentive saying. payments yeah. and like actually cutting some sort of percentage in bonus over your minimum wage to everybody no matter what because the business did well instead of it only being sales so taking kind of a sales base pay commission so on and so forth to yeah the smoothie bar and and really cutting someone in you're going to see more longevity within work you're going to see less exhausting you're going to but then how do you divide the incentive pay because this sales guy is going to say why the fuck is the smoothie bar getting x so basically like i'm saying is the base pays are figured out that 75 percent that's left over after shareholders if there's no shareholders then amazing you know mom and pop shop now you really can cut your community in and mom and pop shop but you're assuming they want to well, this and, is the problem. and this is the thing is we're talking about mom and pop chain because a mom and pop shop have mom and pop on the ground. So if that business owner is actually putting in 38, 40 hours a week to their business, they're into that 75%. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I get And saying. they're still getting that 25%. It's on the ground. Who's ever there? Ownership or not. That's where the mentality starts to explode. But and why would they do it if, if these people are willing to wake, work for no money and they get to go to Europe three times a year with the extra money? Why would they opt into this system? Because we need to start loving and caring more. Well, that's a beautiful and answer, but I, I'm pr- being tr- pragmatic about be- it. Because they would still be able to do a lot of that 
if they're really looking and budgeting. If you're off the ground and starting another one, now you've got multiple streams coming in. So that's where I'm talking about going into chains instead of franchising, so on and so forth. So mom and pop chains and having multiple locations because you don't have to worry about anything in that business because you're paying these people to actually take personal ownership. So what it is doing is it's taking the idea of a business looking to expand through franchisee operations and instead going to chain operations while still respecting who would have been the franchisee. It is a sound business model, especially if Has you have profit margin. Anywhere? I'm about to make it work. I'm literally looking at opening a chain of smoothie bars um, into next year where these profit margins and where you can stick these places in rents, you can get cheap rent, low operating costs per day. I'm going to start the first one personally myself. And from there, once it's running and established and has a little bit of good margin, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this personally and work at it over the next five years to open as many locations as possible, changing as many lives as possible. Every location in life I change will then bring, and yes, funnel some benefit, that 25%. Sure, if I have yeah. multiple locations that are only feeding me two, three grand a piece, that's multiple locations feeding me two, three grand a piece. If I can get to 15,000, 15, 20 grand a month, that is so much more than I have now. And I'm not going to just turn around and be like, oh, I'm going to spend it willy-nilly. I'm you going say to that be in now. No, 100%. Can I add something? Because I think like this system wouldn't work uh, because of two other like emotions, like how you said love is like one of the big ones. But, like hope and fear are like yeah. even bigger. Hope for like, I was born in like poverty almost. And my hope with like my job or whatever I do is like make as much money as I can. So I don't mm -hmm. go back to that, to being poor as my parents were when I was a kid. And my hope is uh, that I will do that. And my fear is if I don't do that, my kids would have to go through it. So I will just keep on making money and keep on making money and, and not stop. Even if I love the community and everything, I'll be like, okay, I want to take the 80% because let me be safe first and then I can help people with my money later maybe. But like right now, I just want the money. So if you're only, if you're taking less than 80%, you're still going to have that. No, no, I, I get it, but like that uh, fear of what if I don't, and it will always linger. And this is the awakening that needs to happen. This is the awakening that, I, and I totally get with you, I came from a single parent, low income family, like we had nothing. My brother and sister got things and my mom would come to me and tell me, you're really the strong one and I don't have any left over for you, but I know you'll be okay. Oh, yeah, like, like same, so you want to, like yeah. inside my own family, I was impoverished child while my mom stretched and financed to get things for the other ones it was a whole my mom was like a multiple personality it was it was a childhood um like i've been left with multiple adults like i have all your standard childhood traumas to say so what you know that's mm -hmm. not going to define me that's uh i'm forged in the fires of tragedy and that's where i do have this inclination and something in me to say you know what i, I will hold those ethics all the way through to just nice. be an example and it, it, this is what I'm talking about would be a progression over the next 20 to 50 years to actually shift into a way of society functioning like this. But over that change and that shift, everyone has, everyone's producing and doing well. Everyone has opportunities because it's all structured not to take. The idea is when a business owner has the business and it's ready to grow. So maybe new all new businesses can maybe try to structure like this. So it, having both within the system. But the idea is, is as you bring people into it, yes, 
I can take the 80% because the system has said I can, but this is the system that we are fighting against. So if we draw the bottom lines of the system and enact the bottom lines of the system, we are still functioning and helping the system. So if we actually break that, we break that system saying, no, there's more. Let's go make money together. Respecting the human being. I will tell you this, the emotional, the psychological lift of that pressure and living that way in a form of just being and abundance. There will be so much more that comes your way. And to couple and just to finish up with the last little tweak is studying poverty. I studied the system and mostly a lot. I wanted to see um, the levels of psychological subversion and it took some time. And I was basically done this case study right before the shutdown i was about to be employed at a very high-end luxury dealer like used cars you got ferraris mclarens everything in like i was looking at six figures the epitome of my career after turning around and fighting for poverty i had like arrears cases that i built to give people a chance against slumlords by using abatement against them like i was right into this and then the shutdown happened and basically my evidence got thrown out of court because it wasn't electronically submitted even though I submitted it. Like the system whittles you down to get you out on the streets. And what I mostly saw from the workers in the system, there is no real actual support. Like people who don't go through it don't actually see how unsupportive it is. They cut you a check and tell you to report if you get some money. That's basically it. So what else do you want them to do? What I want to see is because I think the the one of the arguments I always have, uh, you know, some some uh, some of the ideas I like, some of it's a little bit utopia because the government doesn't make anything, so it needs to get things from businesses. Yeah. So I think what a lot of people just go like, oh, we'll we'll just do this, but then at the same time they're also hindering businesses at the same time. So what I would like to see is first off, we know we ship out way too much overseas all of that i want to see some federal support um and actually bringing our federal tax dollars to actually fix this issue and real support yes these people do need a little more money i'm not gonna lie when you're on the bottom of the system and they're only giving you 700 bucks and it's hard to find work and you're just shriveled and you don't have a great resume and it's been a couple of years and like i'm really painting the picture that's not me like i was able no, to I get it. They're, 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 they're in a sinkhole, oh my basically. Gosh. Yeah. Is, is how do we teach that person about regular self-grooming? Like, we need, we need, these people are there because they did not get lessons as a child, and now they're being penalized for it. That's essentially what's going on. Instead of offering all the lessons, like really, really offering this and giving support and saying, if you're going to get this money, you have to show up here, here, and here in the week. I don't care. You can show up places if you're disabled. I don't care if you're you're disabled. You can get a customer service so job. So if they don't show up, you take the money away. Basically, you're, you've got to go and earn your money in some sense. So now, because there is, is a certain sort of these people are showing that they are bettering themselves for the community, that calls to actually say the community, you know what, it's not bad to support a little bit. Sure. Because someone's but it's, trying. That's the carrot you need, but I think you'd be shocked at how many of those people wouldn't show up. And so you don't get the money. Sure. But then the situation situation gets worse. Now they have no money. And now you're you're onto a basic. So but what you do is where we're at right now is not enough, but people can barely scrape and survive. Food banks, these types of things. And like it, it's degrading to go into a food bank if you've never done it. I've got a poem that will literally rip anyone apart because it really brings you to that moment. And 
what we really need to do is then above and beyond, if you're looking to improve and live a better life and you're going to go through, let's say, let's call it a, a six month rehabilitation program that is going to see you employed in the end and you're doing this, an encouragement to go into that program because there are ways to get around and not go to these programs you require. But what's more scary is as you start getting back to work. That's the part that's so scary. Like the, the how to get people into, we can, we can definitely Which hash is it the out. drudgery of life but that's this associated is with that. I come back to the subversion. Now, again, 1980s KGB agent was up online or recording video. It's up online now that the subversion of a country is into its social support systems and the psychology of those social support systems. So what you see coming out of these workers is actually encouragement to stay on the system, to manipulate the system. It's actually taught to them, and I was talking to the worker that I was off and, and working with, like literally many times, the gasp behind, I'm like, why are you saying these things to me? That's what you all say to everyone, and you talk about how to do that. And they're like, she's like, yeah, they train us this way. And I'm like, okay. So fast forward, I am now... Um, and this is, it takes a lot to climb out. I work a part-time job at a tanning salon. I am now um, part-time serving uh, on weekends, and I do Uber. I'm literally working roughly about 60 hours a week to, to climb myself out of a hole. I'm staying with a friend. This is where we're going to take a break in the show. Oh, my God, dude. That was getting interesting as fuck right there. It Actually, it's going to get even better next week. Yeah. We were just warming up. So um, <laughs> stay tuned to next Friday. Um, to the show and if you want to get bonus content patreon.com slash unmentionable podcast thank you for your support talk to you next week here's a patron this week guys you heard him bye